Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. This is Terry Hales, and I am excited and saddened. This is our last episode in our four-episode experience with licensed professional counselor Kevin Hales on how to strengthen our relationships and how to overcome the conflict cycle. Well, how to work through it. We don't ever overcome it, but how to work through the conflict cycle and to have safer, closer, more connected relationships. And today we are talking about active listening. And I'm really excited for the things that we're going to explore today. Active listening is so important if we want to really understand our partner and if we also in turn want to be understood. And just that act of of being able to understand and be understood brings us closer together and allows us to empathize and to create those bonds of trust and safety within our relationships. So welcome, Kevin, to the podcast again today. Thanks. Good to be back. All right. Are you excited to dive into this? Yes. Yeah, there's... I feel like there's a lot to say on this subject. and All right. Well, let's do it. So first of all, let's start off with what active listening is so that people know what we're talking about. And then from there, we'll just kind of expand and broaden and have a conversation like we often do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess what is active listening? What is it not? You know, I think active listening is, I don't know, like I, I'm just thinking of the word active and it's it means we're actively engaged. It means we're not just passively, you know, maybe listening mm-hmm. as, as I think we all do to some extent or another. You know, <laughs> if anyone has kids, you know, I think we often find ourselves passively listening to our kids. You know, mm-hmm. if they're chatting our ear off or telling us how excited they are about a Pokemon or a toy or something that maybe I don't have a lot of interest in, you know, so it's 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 something that that we all can improve on. Yeah. No, when our kids get into Minecraft mode, I I can listen for a little while. And then after a while, some of it about, you know, pigment and ingots and all those things that like goes in one ear and it kind of like trickles out the yeah. other ear. So yeah. definitely I can get into passive mode when they're talking about Minecraft. So yeah, yeah I, I like that you brought up that we often do that with our kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, we all do that to a certain extent, but I guess why we're talking about active listening is because it's not something we, I would say, do enough with mm-hmm. our partner, with, you know, those closest to us. And and let's give ourselves some grace and some empathy and compassion here. We often live hectic, crazy, exhausting lives. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us have our days just filled with responsibilities and things that have to get done. So oftentimes we just feel drained, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I I experience this, you know, on a daily basis with my couples. I mean, they're just fried usually. And it's like, so we just kind of work with, with what we've got, you know, everyone's busy, everyone's exhausted, but it still requires us to, to exert, I guess, a little bit more effort and, and intention 
in trying to listen and be present. Yeah. So I like how you put that because I think so often we try to maintain connection, just kind of checking in. But sometimes we avoid really getting deep and really um, connecting at that heart level. We just are, are you okay? How was work? Are you good? Are you hungry? Did you pay the bills? Yeah. Great. Did the kids get to ballet? Did they get to their ninja class? All right. Fantastic. Right. And all of that is not, it doesn't really require that really deep active listening. So it can be really difficult for us because our minds are often going a million miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and maybe what makes active listening active is the fact that we are not just listening to the words of somebody, but we're actually tuning into their body language and the emotional content and what they're feeling about the subject matter. And, and that's why it's, it's active because it's requiring us to be present, not just physically, but emotionally as well. Hmm. Yeah. So it requires a little bit more vulnerability as well. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. If we're tuning into emotions, it's always a little bit more vulnerable if we're going to tune into emotions. Right. So now it's not just the checklist of, you know, all the things that had to be done, but now we're really, like I said, we're connecting at that heart space. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I guess, I guess on that, that note of being actively engaged, it is reminding me of something I, I think I must have heard or learned about, you know, in college. And some of you might be familiar with it, but it's, it's, you know, you, you can Google it, just Google cone of learning or cone of experience. It's, it's known as both. And, and then go to images and you'll see uh, the image of a pyramid. And this is, this is something that we have learned about humans and how we retain information. Uh, there's, there's actually have a quote in this one picture I'm looking at by Confucius. He says, I see and I forget. I hear and I remember. I do and I understand. Mm. And, I, and I like that because when it comes to active listening, again, we're talking about being actively engaged on this on this image. If you know, if anyone's looking at it, there's it's, it's a pyramid. It's in the shape of a pyramid. And up at the top, it's talking about how we retain information, how well we remember some of these things. We only uh, remember 10 percent of what we read. We only remember 20 percent of what we hear. We only remember 30 percent of what we see. And then we retain 50% of what we see and hear. And so you can think about, you know, a lot of the situations that we might find ourselves in, you know, for example, those top two are kind of very traditional about our college experience. For example, you're reading tons of textbooks. You're only retaining about 10% of that. And then you go to a lot of lectures and you're only going to retain about 20% of that. And you and I both had a, you know, a, a college professor who, as part of our homework each night, would actually have us go back and teach what we learned that day to, you know, our roommates or whoever, you know, we could corner and, and force them to listen to us. So, well, and actually he would have us do something else in class. He had us take specific notes. Mm -hmm. If you remember, like he wanted us to write specific bullet points so that we would have those touchstones. And then, yeah, we'd have to go rope in some unsuspecting roommate or right. friend right. to listen to us teach for our homework right. and teach the class. And what I find so surprising is whenever we recall things we learned in college. It's, it's, a, it's usually from his class. It's always right. Dr. Marshall. And I just checked in with another life coach that I know that took the same class. And she was like, oh, I, I was inspired by Dr. Marshall. And 
I mean, we could even quote some of the same quote. Yeah. So it's, enjoy the doing as well as the achieving. Yeah. So. The purpose of the task is to strengthen the relationship. <laughs> And then there was a COBRA acronym. I don't remember what it stands for anymore. But <laughs> Good anyways, times. Yeah. So those top layers of the pyramid are passive, right? What we read, what we hear, what we see. And then the bottom parts of the pyramid, and these are the areas that we are more likely to retain information, is 70, we'll retain 70% of what we say and 90% of what we say and do. So going back to, you know, Dr. Marshall's class and, and going back and teaching someone else what we learned, we're, we're teaching, we're saying, and we're doing, and so therefore we're likely to retain a lot more of that information. So how, well, what does this have to do with active learning or, or active listening? Uh, it, it actually has a lot to do with active listening. Uh, when we're just passively listening to someone, we're really not retaining as much of that information as we think we are. Mm -hmm. You know, we're just kind of passively listening as, as we're going about our duties and, and responsibilities and everything. And, of course, you know, a lot of our communication nowadays is via text. Yeah, you and know? so we're retaining even less exactly. in that way. And so via text or even just, you know, by voice. A lot of communication in, in our relationships is not happening face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. not good for the longevity and the strength of our relationships. Especially when it comes to conflict, a lot of people often resort to responding via text, right? Yeah, and one or an email. Or email, right? And one benefit from that, right? I mean, let's not, let's not completely demonize that. One benefit of that is that people have a chance to think and calmly respond to something that maybe they would just fly off the handle and mm -hmm. say if they are in person. So on the one hand, that's nice, but you know, I think we we talked about in one of our last episodes that anytime we communicate someone with someone, there are three parts to that message. Mm -hmm. There's the body language, which is the vast majority of it. That's 55% mm -hmm. of the message that we're sending to somebody. Uh, the other 38% is the tone and volume at which we say things, 7% is words. That's it. Mm -hmm. The words that we are saying is 7% of the message. And so if we're responding and talking and communicating primarily via text and email, we're missing 93% of the context of that message and what is actually intended by that, that message. Yeah. Yeah. I have several clients that I, I find resort to written word whenever they feel threatened or unsafe. Mm -hmm. Particularly, I mean, you guys, if you've gone through faith transition, you know what this is like when you need to tell your parents that your faith has changed or tell a best friend or something like that. So often we want to resort to text because, again, we get to deliver our message in a way that feels safe or without interruptions or rebuttals. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is valid, but mm -hmm. at the same time, there are often it's misunderstandings lacking. or yeah. things that happen because of those written written messages. Yeah, it's, it's ultimately lacking and it's unfortunate because there's a lot that is of value in our message and, and, and we're missing it. So, so coming back to the active listening part, then this is, this is what is required of us in order to make our listening more active is, you know, what we say and what we do. And we'll kind of get into the details of that here as we go into, you know, kind of what active listening looks, uh, looks like and feels like now to, to kind of refer back to that cycle 
that negative cycle that we've talked about in, in our past episodes, I think we touched on the, the different roles that uh, we will often take. Yeah, we did. We touched on the pursuer and the withdrawer. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes uh, one of us is more of a pursuer. Sometimes the other one is more of a withdrawer. Let's just kind of revisit that in case somebody is just listening to this episode and hasn't listened to that other episode. If they're just joining us for the first time, because we have new listeners every single week, which is so exciting. But the role of the withdrawer and the role of the pursuer are. Do you want to explain those? This so is yeah, so, so so when it when it when it comes to conflict, uh, one person, and this isn't across the board always the case, you know, but generally speaking, one person will be more of a withdrawer, and and that just basically means that he or she is more withdrawn, more likely to disengage if conflict is is flaring up. That person might be a little bit more emotionally withdrawn as well because that's part of why he or she is withdrawing because it's uncomfortable it's scary it's i don't want to fight i don't want to argue so i'm withdrawing i'm disengaging i'm pulling away Mm -hmm. now in the act of doing so you might trigger your partner to take on more of a pursuing role Mm -hmm. which typically looks like behavior that's maybe naggy or or argumentative or combative or, or, or something along those lines, mm-hmm. um, because the pursuer is wanting to resolve the issue. They're wanting to talk. They're wanting to get to the bottom of what's going on. And so it's, it's, it's a fight or flight response, mm-hmm. right? The, the pursuer is more of the fighter. The withdrawer is more of the, the fleer. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's only in relationships and you can have different roles with different people. Yes. I find a lot of times men can be the withdrawer and mm-hmm. women can be the pursuer. That doesn't mean that men always run away from things and that women always fight. It just means in this situation. Right. And depending on the scenario, you know, we can easily swap those roles. Yeah. Yeah. But but I think you're right. To a large extent, we will often see men as withdrawers. And I think that's largely chalked up to how our society has traditionally defined how a man should act and behave, which usually means don't be emotional. Yeah. You know, and, and so that, that typically means the man will withdraw, but that's not always the case. No. So, yeah. So that's, that's kind of that in a nutshell, but when it comes to active listening, then when we talk about those two roles and what that looks like active listening, I would say for the pursuer, uh, means slowing down. It means not talking, not engaging as much Mm -hmm. because that's part of what's pushing the other person away. And active listening for the withdrawer then means trying to stay more present and trying to stay engaged, Mm -hmm. which is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for either one of them. Yeah. That's, 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 I guess the dilemma and the struggle here, you know? So for, for a withdrawer, it's not uncommon for, for the withdrawer to obviously pull away and not stay engaged mm-hmm. uh, to and trying to listen to what the other person is saying. And part of that is because, again, the pursuer is often overly engaged. They're talking too much. Yeah. And, and in fact, it's not uncommon for a pursuer to to maybe just talk, talk, talk and never give the other person to actually, you know, a chance to respond. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny whenever we talk about active listening, I'm thinking of some, well, ourselves and other withdrawers and pursuers we know in our lives. And when we've 
talked about, you know, what active listening is and and what we what we want in the relationship, I find that withdrawers do this funny thing where they sit and they just almost become like a stone wall that you're talking at. They're not interrupting. They're making eye contact with you and they're sitting with their open body posture, but they are just nodding and looking at you and you can almost it doesn't feel like they're emotionally engaged at all. No. Um, they're there and they're present and they're looking at you and they haven't run away, but they are emotionally, they've run away. They're they're gone. Right. Well, and, and, and I would chalk a lot of that type of behavior up to somebody maybe who is traditionally a fixer, mm. somebody who likes to give advice, right? Mm. And that's how I think a lot of our conversations go with people. We, we express something, we say something, and the listener is quick to jump in and give advice. Yeah. They're quick to go, well, why don't you try this? Well, have you talked to this person? Well, why don't you do this? You know, and then that's sometimes not what the person actually wants is advice. They just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. And so you'll hear people say that, right? Traditionally, again, you you hear a lot of wives say this to their husbands. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is- They'll just sit there stoically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people will just kind of sit there with kind of this this blank stare on their face and, and they think they're listening- Because they're not trying to give advice and trying to fix the situation. Yeah. And so I guess on the one hand, it's not necessarily all bad. I mean, they're, they're not trying to give advice and fix it, but then the, the other spouse will often feel frustrated because again, they're just getting that blank look. There's no active engagement. Yeah. It feels like they're talking to a, to a a brick wall. And then I find with, uh, pursuers, when you talk about active listening, I can think of one person in my life in particular that they sit on their hands and they like bounce up and down and you can almost see them. They're not saying anything and they're not interrupting, but you can you can almost see the wheels turning of all the things they want to say. Mm-hmm. And it, it can feel frustrating because it feels like they're not necessarily listening. They're just having a conversation in their head. So, right. yeah. Right. So I feel like those sometimes are some of the ways that we maybe miss the mark with active listening in these two different roles. Right. Right. I think those are some good points to, to kind of touch on. Right. Mm-hmm. I think in defining what active listening is and isn't, I think one of the the things we can definitively say about what active listening is not is that I'll call it a trap, I guess that trap that a lot of us do fall into when it comes to having a conversation with somebody else, we are very quick to formulate a response in our head. We, yeah. we are often so distracted by what I want to say or my rebuttal to what you're saying or to provide evidence to the contrary of what you're saying. We're often mm-hmm. so caught up in our head of that piece that we we struggle to to actually listen and just stay present with you. Yeah. So Well, and I find there's even a piece may have maybe of I don't want to look stupid or um, there's like a defensive piece. Sure. Of, I don't want to be painted as a monster. Or I, I just don't want to be caught without anything to say or looking like I don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. or looking stupid. And there's even an anxiety sometimes having mm-hmm. a conversation of how do I respond? And again, that is the fixer. It's one of the first things we learned about in um, life coaching. They were always like manage your fixer mm-hmm. because the fixer is supposed to have all the answers and the fixer is supposed to look brilliant and smart and mm-hmm. be the go-to. And active listening isn't about having all the answers. It's mm-hmm. just about being present. Yeah. Again, that's a common trap. I think a lot of us fall into where we're so eager to talk at the other person to get our point across. And like we said, I think in our first episode together, conflict is not about 
who the winner is Mm -hmm. and who comes out on top. Conflict is about us both being in this together and taking ownership for the part that we're both playing. I love that. I think something maybe to kind of remind ourselves of is when it comes to active listening, you're kind of taking turns, mm-hmm. right? I think it wasn't, it wasn't at the Lord of the Flies, you know, where they had a conch that they, yes. they, they passed around and whoever had the conch was the person who could talk. I've actually, I've actually heard of other, you know, therapists and professionals who will have like a talking stick, yep. you know, that, that one person is holding so that they can actually talk and not be interrupted. That's fine. You know, whatever, whatever we need to do. But, but I think that's oftentimes what it boils down to who's going to take turns speaking and listening first, you know, mm-hmm. and it, cause it's really hard. We really need to be very intentional about that initially set aside our own concerns, our own rebuttals, and just, I'm going to pay fully attention to you, what you're saying and make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. Absolutely. It's funny because the talking stick, I'm even thinking about how that would play out with withdrawers and pursuers withdrawers might not want the talking stick at all and the pursuer would be sitting there waiting for Mm -hmm. just watching the talking stick waiting for Mm -hmm. and when do i get to snatch it so with or without a talking stick that may be a good tool in your house if you want to use something like that or just understanding it's about being present it's Mm -hmm. it's about allowing the other person to speak And to be there with them and to really, really want to understand them first, to seek to understand before being understood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like in recent years with me being a a professional, I feel like I've, I've often taken the first turn in listening and empathizing with you. Uh, just because I'm already in the habit of it, you know, it just comes natural. And, and we've actually had to work through some of that in our own conflict resolution is mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I'm doing more of the listening and, and you haven't always reciprocated. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm getting better. Oh yeah. No, I'm, that's, that's not me throwing you under the bus. Just, just being honest about kind of what we've had to work through. In no, our absolutely. Because I mean, I'm looking back and we kind of talked about this in the empathy episode too, I think where you were kind of the first person to start practicing those empathy skills because of your training and your practice in your office. And it was something that you brought home and really taught to us. But yeah, there for a while, you were kind of the teacher and the model while we caught up and learned those skills and got to practice them at home. So, and now I feel like we're all pretty good at Yeah empathizing and active listening. I mean, even our kids to a certain extent. So yeah. yeah. Should we jump into some of the steps of let's do it. Let's teach people how to active listen. And what? No, (laughs) (laughs) I thought you said something. I I said, all right. Okay. We just looked at each other awkwardly. (laughs) What? Okay. Awkward silence. (laughs) All right. So if you're going to active listen with someone, The very first thing you're going to hear us say this over and over again is you have to approach it with curiosity and Mm non-judgment. Non-judgment is so important because if we're going in with looking for the other person to be wrong, looking to protect or defend ourselves, really having that combative attitude, we're not going to be able to understand the other person because we're too busy either defending ourselves or protecting ourselves, we have to go into it with curiosity and non-judgment, really wanting to understand. 
it's it's so interesting. I've had a lot of you reach out and say, we want communication skills, and instead we're giving you empathy and listening skills, and some of you may be frustrated. You may be listening to this and being like, this is the last episode with Kevin for a while. Why haven't we talked about communication? And we have, because communication so often is about listening and seeking to understand. Not necessarily about what you say. It's about your intention to really understand the other person. Yeah, there's the the isn't there a quote seek to understand before being understood or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And again, that's hard because we often want to defend ourselves and and get our point across and make sure I'm heard, you know, because again, we don't we don't want to be seen or painted in a, in a bad light. And so we're always so eager to do that and that's probably one of the hardest steps to active listening is is setting that aside and I'm giving you my full attention and and empathy and compassion right now. Absolutely. So we start with that. And then the next thing we do is we pay attention. So we decide who's going to talk first. Mm -hmm. That's so who's the talker who has the talking stick? Yeah. Well, yeah. And either that's a, a vocal thing or somebody just says, okay, help me understand what you're feeling, what you're going through. You know, just, just, you don't even have to say, okay, I'm going to go first. You know, you, you yeah. can just say, Hey, I'm giving you my full attention. I, I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're trying to say here. So help me understand this piece, explain this, elaborate on this, you know, something right. like that. So, so whatever that is, but, but yes, to your point, we're paying attention. Now there's a lot happening in this step of paying attention to the other person, right? Mm-hmm. I would say probably one of the most important ones is eye contact. Yeah. And eye contact is is a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to do. If, if anyone's interested and kind of curious, go on YouTube and uh, type in, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I, I haven't looked it up in a while, but it's basically like an eye contact experiment, you know, where people will stare into each other's eyes for minutes at a time. I've heard it called soul gazing before. Soul gazing, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure there's different terms and, and, but it's, it's, it's a really fascinating kind of experiment. You'll see a, you'll see a lot of, you know, people with videos where they're just sitting down with a stranger and just looking into their eyes for minutes at a time. Now, number one, that's often awkward and uncomfortable for a lot of people in the beginning parts of this experiment. You'll always see people kind of giggle and laugh and, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're kind of getting the, the giggles out of their system. But then after several seconds and minutes of doing this, you'll see a lot of emotion well mm-hmm. up in people's eyes and you'll see people just it's a very vulnerable experience. Yeah. I was just thinking of that Goop Lab episode that we watched where they talked about intimacy and mm. they had perfect strangers sit mm. knee to knee and stare in each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. And often they would cry yeah. and uh, they felt super close afterwards because yeah. they felt really seen and heard without any words, right. without anything, just the eye contact right. and feeling like you were seen very uncomfortable at first, but mm-hmm. also just really affirming. All right. Well, and, and maybe that's why it's nicknamed soul gazing because, you know, there's, there's that old, you know, saying that the eyes are the, the window to your soul or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Just basically, again, reaffirming that this is a very vulnerable experience. And that can actually be one of the earliest signs that things are eroding in the relationship is the loss of eye contact. Mm-hmm. We don't look each other in the eyes as much. We, we avert our eyes more. We, you know, whatever. Yeah. So. 
we quit looking at each other and really seeing right. each other with right. our eyes. Yeah. Well, and, and it's interesting, right? Because while there is a general loss of eye contact, one of the moments where we do re-engage that eye contact is when we're in the heated conflictual cycles. That's when we are often looking each other in the eyes again, but we're angry and we're attacking mm. and we're defensive. And then once things get vulnerable again, the eye contact is kind of lost. That's crazy. I hadn't yeah. really considered that, that yeah, when you start pulling away, you quit looking at each other mm -hmm. until you're angry and you're mad. And then you're looking at each other kind of like predators. That's what came, yeah. came yeah. to mind was like a cat in the jungle, like yeah. stalking their prey. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, that, that's actually a, probably a perfect analogy of why we do that because we are in that fight or flight mindset. And just like two wild animals, they're not going to take their eyes off of each mm -mm. other because you don't want to expose your, your backside or your stomach, your, your vulnerable. Weakness. Yeah. you you don't want to expose your, your vulnerable parts to the other person. And so just like, you know, we have a cat here at home and when she feels safe, she'll roll on her back and expose her stomach, mm -hmm. you know, but if she's scared or, you know, terrified, she's going to run off and hide or fight. And mm -hmm. so. That's probably, I think, where that originates from is that that feeling of safety and or or lack of safety. Yeah. So another way we pay attention is with our body language. Mm -hmm. We're not turning away from one another, turning our back to one another. We're turning towards one another. We have sometimes. I don't know if you guys have noticed this. Whenever we're having these difficult conversations, we can close our bodies off. And I want you to think about what you do. I can fold my arms. I can kind of hunch into myself. I can, you know, make myself as closed and protected as possible when I don't feel safe. And so what we're wanting to do is open up our body and really like lean into the person. We're making eye contact. We're opening up our shoulders and our arms leaning into them instead of hands and fists, you know, the open hands or the relaxed hands, showing them like, I'm here, I'm engaged, I'm turning towards you, and I'm safe. This is a safe place. You can talk here. It looks like you have something you want to say or that you no, want no, to just, bring up. No, no, just, just, yeah, I mean, yeah, all that, right? Like you said, our body language, as well as, you know, obviously paying attention to the other person's body language. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's about, like you said, there's more of an open body, like you said, leaning in, showing them that I'm, I'm listening, that I'm actively engaged in this, as well as paying attention to their body language. Yeah. And what is their body saying? You know, maybe they're saying one thing in their words, but their body seems to be communicating something else. Yeah. No. And it's so important to recognize that because like you said, so much of what we communicate happens in our body language. And so, and our bodies don't lie. You guys, our body language doesn't lie. Our words can lie. Our tone of voice can even lie, but our body language does not lie. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about coaching is because I get to watch all of those things and help people make those connections between what they're saying up in their head because tone, I feel like, I feel like tone and words happen up in your head, but body language is all emotion and what we're feeling in our body. And as an empath, that's something I love tuning into with other people and helping them recognize what their body is doing and what that might be saying versus what their words are saying. Mm -hmm. And just exploring that and getting curious. Again, curiosity and non-judgment. There's mm -hmm. no judgment for it. It's just what's going on here and what can we learn from it? Right. Right. And so we're not trying to catch people in lies when we're looking for their body language. If your partner is saying one thing, if they're saying that everything's fine, but their body language is saying, I don't feel safe here, I feel angry, or I feel 
incredibly sad with whatever their body language is saying. It's not to be like, you're lying to me or I gotcha. Like, look, you're saying this, but I can't trust you because of that. It's simply curiosity. What's going on here? You're telling me this, but it looks like your body language is saying this. What do you think is what's what's happening here? Help me understand. Because they may not understand themselves. Yeah. We're still learning in this whole process. Most of us are still learning how to feel our emotions, name them, express them, and feel safe expressing them. I mean, even just feeling safe expressing them with ourselves, bringing another person into that process. We, we may not be aware that we're feeling something different than what we're saying. And so just being curious about that can help you really get down, like really understand them and maybe even help them understand themselves. Well, and, and I guess that curiosity and openness has to go both ways, right? Yes. You know, cause, cause you know, I'm, I think we mentioned this earlier in our episodes, but like, you know, I was trying so hard not to feel angry because I thought that was a sin. That was bad. That when you would notice me being angry, you would ask me, Hey, are you angry right now? You seem kind of angry. And of course I would get defensive and go, no, I'm not angry, you know, and, and clearly I was, but I wasn't willing to admit that I, I, I couldn't admit that because then that would mean a whole host of things. I was, I was angry. Therefore I was wrong and I was sinning and I was, you know, all these things, a bad that, person. Yeah. All these things that I didn't want to admit or own up to. And so obviously, uh, being aware of what our, our, <laughs> our partner's body language means, but also uh, being willing to own that and to, to talk about that. So, so you, you can be curious with me, but I also need to be willing to be curious with myself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you bring that up. And this one like should go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway, put away distractions while you're having these conversations, cell phones, gaming devices, computer screens, turn the TV off, um, sequester the kids if you can. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, th there's obviously no end to the distractions that we have in our lives, but we need to be aware of what those distractions are. Try to minimize those as much as possible so that we can give the other person our full attention. Well, and part of the reason I bring this up is active listening is going to be uncomfortable when you very first start it. It's going to feel overwhelming. You know, your brain is going to kind of overwhelm and you're going to want to withdraw a little bit. And when we feel uncomfortable, it's not uncommon to want to numb things. And we can use those distractions as ways to numb the emotion or numb the discomfort. And when we numb, we're not fully present. And you can't active listen, but also so much of the change happens in the discomfort. So if you can learn to allow yourself to sit in the discomfort, that's where not only you start to change and transform, but it's also where your relationship can start to change and transform is when you allow yourself to be fully present and sit with the discomfort for as long as you can. Yep. And so other, other things to keep in mind when we're paying attention is... In fact, I think you've said some of your listeners have noticed some of the, the vocal yeah. cues that that we might give to each other. Yeah, I've had a couple of people that are like, it's so fun listening to you guys talk back and forth. Like, I can hear that you really respect one another and you're listening to each other. Right. Um, it's. I thought maybe it was a little annoying to hear that, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's going on on both sides. But people are like, no, that's really endearing to hear yeah. that. Well, and, and what, you know, listeners can't see is, you know, we're nodding our head or, you know, we're... We're obviously looking at each other. Uh, we smile or we grimace or we, we make facial expressions in response to what the other person is saying. These are all those nonverbal mm -hmm. 
messages that we are communicating to each mm-hmm. other that show that we are listening, that, that we are actively engaged with what the other person is saying. Yeah. Good point. All right. The last step. So you're listening, you're paying attention, you're watching their body language, listening to their tone of voice, listening to their words, you're making eye contact, all of your distractions, as many as you can have been put away. And now what we're doing is we are providing feedback. And when I say providing feedback, these aren't defensive rebuttals. These aren't insults. Obviously, that's going to destroy the whole safety. Kevin, what is providing feedback? Like what does active listening feedback look like? So basically it's it it shows that I really am listening and trying to understand. So so one of the phrases I do not like and I recommend Generally speaking, I recommend people do not say this to other people. I understand. Or I know how you feel. Or I know how you feel. Okay. Because what that communicates is actually, no, you don't. Because you you think you know what I'm going through. You think you understand. And and so what I, what I try to tell my clients is that understanding, feeling understood is not something we tell someone. Mm-hmm. Feeling understood is something the recipient tells me. Mm. So I don't tell you I understand. You tell me I feel understood by you. Mm, Oh, that is such a big difference. Oh, I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's, we, we all, I think kind of do that sometimes. We do say that a lot, you know, and maybe we see that in movies and TV shows or that that's what we've heard said in our family, but it's really not, again, generally speaking, it's not a helpful phrase to say. I think if we have a, a strong bond with somebody, we can say that because we're, we're already on a, on the same page. We already feel understood by each other. So I can say that to you and you're not going to feel offended by that phrase. But in other situations, when the relationship isn't as strong as we want it to be, then somebody saying, I understand, can often feel dismissive. It can often feel actually kind of like a conversation stopper. It kind of feels... Yeah, it feels defensive as well. Almost like, yeah, I understand. Like, stop talking about this. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, People, I think, often feel shut down when they say that. So, yeah. So, so what, what does providing that feedback look like? Basically, it's so, so going back to instead of me saying, I understand, it's me trying to communicate to you in my own words what I think I understand. And there's that, that piece that we always have to hold on to is that uncertainty of not thinking we know what's happening. Yeah. It's important to always reserve a little space in our mind and our hearts for the fact that maybe I don't really understand what's happening here. Yeah. Maybe I don't completely comprehend what's happening. And so, so, so what does that look like? It looks like reflection, right? Mm -hmm. You just said something to me. And so I'm reflecting back to you. I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting it into my own words. So I think what I'm hearing you say is this. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I put the ball back in your court and you can tell me, is that accurate? Yeah. Did did, did I get it right? Yeah. Am I getting it? Well, and I like the wording you use there. I think what I'm hearing you say is this, and I I love asking the question so that they know that they're free to correct me. Did I hear that right? Mm -hmm. Am I understanding that right? And it's not about the words, you guys. It is about the intention. It's about the being open to being wrong 
and being curious and really wanting to understand the other person. I can't emphasize that enough. It, it's not you say this thing and do this thing and then your partner feels understood. It is, I am here to understand and I'm here to ask curiosity questions and I'm here to be open and not form judgments. I'm just here to to make sure that you feel understood and heard and seen. Yeah. And it's not really about the words. It's not about the right words. It's just about, this is what I think I heard. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Does that feel right for you? Or I'm hearing you say that you feel angry or frustrated, or I'm hearing you say that you hate when this happens and it makes you feel this way. Did I hear that right? Because we have to understand, guys, we're hearing our partner through our bias, our experience, our own neural pathways that are jumping from point A to point B. We've got all of these background things that we're hearing their experience through, and we may be drawing conclusions that they did not intend. And we're we're hearing their words through our experience because that's how we relate with each other is we're putting ourselves in their shoes, but we're still putting ourselves in their shoes. It's still us in their shoes. And we're trying to understand their perspective through our lens. And that's why we reflect back and we say, this is what I heard. And this is what I think I understand. Did I understand that right? And then they can clarify. And that's where the magic really happens mm -hmm. is because either they're going to say, oh my gosh, yeah, you get it. And like Kevin said, I feel understood is what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Or they're like, no, that's not quite right. And they're able to clarify. And you repeat that process until they arrive at the, yes, you understand. Well, and on that note of, you know, because a lot of us do get caught up in, am I saying the right words, quote unquote, you know, am I doing the right things, quote unquote, because we're often led to believe, again, because of those binary constructs that we operate under, we're often led to believe that there is a right thing to say and a right way to say it. And, and, and so, so even that situation where, so here's what I'm hearing you say, is that accurate? Mm -hmm. And if my partner says, no, not quite, guess what? We can often feel shut down yep. because a lot of us are already struggling with this feeling of I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough or I'm not ever being enough for you. And so for me to say, is that right? Is that accurate? And you say, no, not quite. Guess what? That can often it can you know, trigger shame, right? It, it can kind of bring it to a screeching halt. So, so you, you can start to see how this becomes pretty complicated and, and pretty complex in what we're both bringing to the table mm -hmm. and what we're both trying to do and engage in. It really requires a lot of personal work. It requires a lot of vulnerability. It requires a lot of humility in showing up and just really trying to engage. Absolutely. And it requires a lot of practice, just like we talked about in the first episode. Right. So give yourself grace. This is going to take time to practice and to master because you've spent all of these years of your relationship developing these patterns, and it will take a little bit of time to redo that emotional muscle memory, to mm -hmm. redo the patterns, recreate new patterns that serve you better, and just look at it as a puzzle. Look at it as a game. Look at it as an adventure to go on. Mm -hmm. You're trying something new. If it doesn't quite work, congratulate yourself for trying. And Give yourself that grace to learn a little bit more each time you try, because each time you try, it gets a little better and a little better. Kevin has to head to an appointment quickly, and I'm so glad he spent an hour of his time with me today. Thank you so much 
for sharing your wisdom with us this month. We have learned so much. Thank you for the ways you've blessed our our family and my life. And I love your guts. And I'm so glad you're in my life. So thanks for joining us on the show. It's been good being here. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So thanks for listening, everyone. And we will see you again next week. Don't forget, if you want to be involved and more conversations, join us over on the Facebook group. Follow me on Instagram. I've started doing some really corny TikTok videos. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm a middle-aged lady trying to work in a Gen Z world. But make sure you follow us at those different places. And if you have questions for the midweek question and answer, make sure you hit that email address and send me your questions. I'll be answering them every Thursday morning. Thanks again, you guys, and we'll see you next time.